You're listening to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. I'm Gandalf. I'm Matt. And I'm Nathan Van Horn. The Bible is the most read book ever, but to some, it is merely fiction. Join our conversations as we connect the dots to reveal that the story of the Bible is not only true, it's better than fiction. To learn more about the show or to contact us directly, visit us online at www.betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com. Welcome back, listener. This is the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. More specifically, this is episode 137. And I just want to take a quick second to do two things. Number one, thank you for joining us for the, these 30 minutes of discussion of the biblical narrative. And also, if you would, if you have not already, go ahead and like and subscribe to this podcast if you are a, someone who listens regularly. There's still a shocking number of you who listen regularly and yet do not subscribe and thereby do not get a notification when we, we release every Tuesday morning. So go ahead and fix that. And that way you'll always be caught up, always get a notification and you help us uh, by boosting our search results and the algorithm. So more people can join the podcast. So all that being said, how you guys doing? Yeah. It seems like I just talked, it seems like I just talked <laughs> to you 15 minutes ago. That's hilarious. The, the jokes <laughs> on this guy, you're man, you, yeah. you have such, you have such broad range last week. You're dropping bombs about where the name Tiffany came from this week. You're coming out of the gate hot with jokes. Who knows what that guy's going to say? <laughs> Land of milk and funny. There. <laughs> That's still very humorous in my head. Uh, yeah. J- just to pull the curtain back a little I'm bit. Listener, to where, you. Uh, we're, we're actually recording this like 15 minutes after the last episode. So right. if, if we sound exactly the same, and we reference things that happened in last week's episode. It's because for us that they happened merely minutes ago. Well, we want for, to try to, we're actually going to try to record more this week too, but we're trying to prevent what happened last week from happening. We're trying to put some in the hopper. So that's two episodes ago to you. That's listener. right. That's right. <laughs> but uh, we are still in Genesis 26. This, this is, by there. the way, this is my favorite non-canonical proverb. Trust in Yahweh, but tie up your camel. It's it's good to have an episode. <laughs> it's good to have a backup episode in case life happens and you can't record one week. And also trust that the Better Than Fiction Bible podcast is still going slow, and and we are. Uh, we progressed uh, two verses last week or three verses last week. We are moving forward <laughs> to the next verse, which is verse number twenty six. Uh, but we won't be getting through the whole chapter. We're still going to leave a little bit of twenty six for next episode. Uh, but we can uh, at least get through verse 33. So, Gandalf, why don't you do us the honors this week and read Genesis 26, verses 26 through 33. All right. This is Genesis 26, uh, 26 through 33, as always, from the ESV. When Abimelech went to him from Gerar, with Azuleth, his advisor, and Phicol, the commander of his army, Isaac said to them, Why have you come to me, seeing that you hate me and have sent me away from you? They said, We see plainly that the Lord has been with you. So we said, Let there be a sworn pact between us. 
between you and us and let us make a covenant with you that you will do us no harm just as we have not touched you and have done to you nothing but good and have sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. Mm. So he made them a feast and they ate and drank. In the morning they rose early and exchanged oaths. And Isaac sent them on their way and they departed from him in peace. That same day Isaac's servants came and told him about the well they had dug and said to him, We have found water. He called it Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. Mm. Man, a lot of good stuff there. Um, yes. I'm, I'm already paying attention because there was a meal. So I'm already locked <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah, see this right. guy. Yeah. He's, hey, there's some other stuff here. Um, there's some stuff we want to hone in on some names and stuff like that. But let's just remember a few things. Um, when it comes to ancient religion, whether it's Judaism, uh, ancient Hebrew religion, uh, ancient Islam, or, or I guess Islam wouldn't be considered ancient, but uh, Islam from the 600s. Other religions, such as ancient Egyptian religion, ancient Mesopotamian or Babylonian religion, there is a huge symbol for life and prosperity that centers at all of them. And that is water. Yep. Water. And we have talked about this. So we've been talking about wells here, but we read, okay, he dug a well, like no big deal and stuff like that. But again, we're sitting in America that if you want water, you walk over to the faucet and you turn it on and you literally have access to as much water as you could possibly want. All you have to do is turn on the faucet. But in the ancient, arid, Middle Eastern climate of Canaan, if you didn't have a well, you were in some big trouble. You could not physically live there. That's right. It was right. an impossibility. Which, which kind of leads me into the first thing I want to point out is um, Ahuzath and or Nathan, help us with the actual Hebrew pronunciation of Ahuzath. <laughs> That's a tough one. <laughs> it's got all those gutturals. Right. This is like, I struggle with gutturals. I like, I can't do that Gerar thing like you do. So. Right. Um, it's, yeah. Ahuzath. Yeah. Yeah. It's, we'll just and, say Ahuzath. Yeah. Ahuzath. Yeah. And Fickle, Fickle, Pickle. Pickle. <laughs> Whatever you want to. Pickle. That's right. So these two guys, one of the things that Kenneth Matthews in his Genesis commentary points out is when you look at Fickle, his the commander of Abimelech's army, it's a non-Semitic name, where Abimelech is definitely a Semitic name. Yeah. My father is the king. Fickle, is his... That's right. But Fickle is not. It could, it could be either Egyptian... Or Anatolian, which would be Asia Minor. Like, kind of unsure. So, this kind of reminds us of the cultural, historical backdrop of the Middle East of which we find our current story. Like, if we were thinking about the modern day where we are today, if you wanted to talk about the great powers of the world, of course, we're Americans, so we're going to stay the United States. Other great powers would be 
China, Great Britain, uh, Russia, France, all, essentially all the nuclear powers of today that are out there. These, these are powers in the world that essentially influence life in every other nation on the world. The great powers of the ancient world that we've read about so far have been Egypt, or at least in the life of Abraham, and Ur, or Babylon. So, uh, Gandalf, what do these two places have in common with each other? Egypt uh, and Ur of the Chaldeans that uh, has allowed them to emerge as ancient great powers. They have access to uh, large bodies of water. Uh, rivers. Yeah, you got to have a river. Specifically, right. specifically flowing water. That's right. Rivers. It and by the way, it, it does remind me of a um, a conversation I ha I once had with a surgeon friend, and the surgeon mm -hmm. said on the first day of medical school, uh, the professor asked them to consider the greatest uh, medical advancement of the past three thousand years in civilization, and that you know they go to Hippocrates and like you know empirical med uh, you know empirical scientific medical study uh, procedures, ether anesthesia, they guess all these things. Uh, and the professor says, sanitation, clean, flowing water. Like he said, you could That's not it. have, you could not have modern, you could not have the development of modern cities if we did not find ways like, so like the Roman aqueduct, if you could not find ways to transport uh, filthy water out and clean water in. And mm. so like all these ancient cities, we've talked about this before in the podcast, all these ancient cities outside of the promised land are growing up alongside rivers in the promised land you dig wells <laughs> that's right so with egypt you not only have the nile but you have the nile river delta yeah that fans out and dumps into the mediterranean and even today if you go to google earth you can see the delta from outer space it is unbelievably fertile it stands in stark contrast to all of the land around it uh, meanwhile, the meanwhile the Jordan River, the like the the main flowing river in the Promised Land, is continuing to dry up. Yeah, today, and so it's interesting uh, with the Jordan River. I was, I was thinking about the Jordan River. I was reminded of the story of Naaman, uh, the Syrian, yeah. when he has his that's run Second in Kings with five, Elisha. right? That's right, Elisha, where. Elisha tells him to go and dip in the Jordan and he doesn't want to because it's like, it's, it's not as good as our rivers. Exactly. Because actually it's not actually, I didn't realize this until this episode that the Jordan river actually has a high salinity content that contributes ultimately to the dead sea. Uh, but that also that the Jordan river is a highly seasonal river. While it's not a wadi, the wadis, which are rivers that appear during the the flood season they actually flood the jordan river you know in i think it's january through march if i remember reading correctly um and actually make the jordan river more significant than it actually is for the most part the jordan river is nothing it pales into comparison uh or excuse me yeah it pales into comparison to the euphrates and the tigris river and the Nile River. The Jordan River is not one of those. And so I'm reminded here by looking at Fickle, that 
Canaan is a part of this. You know, we said yam for yam back in. We said yeah. yam for yam back in that passage. I'm sticking with oh, yeah. pickle here. I'm sticking with pickle. Pickle. Oh, okay. I gotcha. But it just represents of what this is. There's a reason a great power has not emerged in the Canaan land yet. There were city states built around wells, but you did not have a great civilization like Babylon or Egypt, which had emerged yet. There is one to come. However, that land to be prosperous in Israel, you are heavily dependent upon water. And to have water in Israel, you are heavily dependent on two things, wells that run with water and rain. Mm. And actually, Nathan, you were we were talking about this a little bit. You were talking about one of the things that God constantly is reminding the people of is... Yeah. Yeah, because they're, temp- they're withholding they're constant- the rain when yeah, they disobey. That's it. They're, they're con- I'm like you think of the Second uh, Chronicles seven passage. You know, the if my people, right? In the context of of, of this stuff, when God is dealing when with I shut Egypt, up the yeah, that's it. When God is dealing with Egypt, you show them where provision comes from by turning the Nile to blood because they're dependent up. They know they're dependent upon the river. When when God right. is dealing with Israel, He shuts up the heaven and He doesn't send the rain because they're not. They weren't relying on a river to begin with. They know they're they know they're relying upon the rain. Um right. and so I think I think of the drought in the time of Elijah the prophet, the whole uh prophets of Baal and Asherah thing after three years in first Kings eighteen. Um mm. all all this to say it's interesting. It, it's it's especially interesting if if Pickle has Egyptian roots or if he, you know, or elsewhere, he's seen rivers. Which- Right. And By the yet, way, there was one more great civilization in that time. It would have been the Hittite Empire, and that would have been up in Asia Minor. So maybe he's from there. Um, but your point is there, that he's seen rivers. Yeah, he's, 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 he's seen better rivers. And yet, in this passage, you know, they've kicked out Isaac, but one one major thing has changed since they kicked Isaac out off the land. God appeared to Isaac, and now they are eager to reposition and they're eager. In other words, they're eager to covenant themselves to someone with whom God has covenanted himself. Uh, right so after this, it's interesting. Like, it's, right. There's not indication that they know that God has appeared to Isaac. What they discern, the reason God is with him is every time they dig a well, or at least Isaac dig a, digs a well, this brother keeps it brings gold. forth water. Right. Yeah. This so clearly in the ancient world, if you're blessed by God and you're in Canaan, the ancient world, it's communicated through one way. You have access to water. Mm. So Abimelech, it's like, wow, this guy keeps, as Nathan just said, striking. This guy the hits twenty one at the blackjack table every time. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um so yeah, I mean looking uh but I do, I do love, like, I do this. think that there's a play on words because an appearance uh, in God is usually stated with ra'ah in the nifal, the passive sense, God was seen. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, they lead off in verse 28, we plainly see that the Lord has been right. with you. And it's just the difference of perspective because we keep talking about, you know, they are they are very slowly and incrementally seeing seeing the realization of the promises, right? 
Like their experience does not match the grandiose wording of God's promises yet. And yet, even for the things they are not able to see, other people are able to see that God is with them. Like one of my favorite examples to talk about this in the Old Testament is the whole Joshua 2 thing. Uh, The first time they try to go into the land, they send 12 spies. All 12 agree that the land is everything God said it would be. Only two of them say we can take the land, right? Because the other 10 say we can't take the land. Meanwhile, meanwhile, uh, in, in uh, in Joshua's day, they send only two spies. They learned that lesson from Numbers 13 and 14. <laughs> they send only two spies. And these two spies are harbored by Rahab. And Rahab's sentiment when she shelters these spies is, I know that the Lord has given you. God hadn't appeared to her. And yet, mm. I know that the Lord has given you the land. And that the fear of you, the people of Israel have been afraid to go into it. The fear of you has fallen upon us. And that all the inhabitants of the land melt away, melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord, don't miss it, dried up the water (laughs) of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. In other words, the God who's bringing them into a land relying upon wells and rain still has the power to dry up rivers. Um how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, another river reference, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. It's a play on words from from what was said earlier uh, about uh, melting away. Um. Uh, And there was no spirit left in any man because of you, for the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord. Again, it's not respect for them directly as much as it is reverence to what their God is capable of, right? Please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you will also deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will also save alive my father and my mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. Um, it's not that Isaac is this intimidating figure, but clearly God is with him. As the God who establishes, yeah, the blessing of water. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you all know? Rodney, By the way, what's 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 one of the way? You know, again, go to the whole living uh, reading Genesis while you're living the Exodus thing. What's one of the ways that? God shows his ongoing presence with Moses's leadership, uh, water providing water from things that shouldn't be able to provide it. Water from the rock. Yeah. Right. Do you all know Rodney, Mississippi? Do you even no. know what I'm talking about? Nathan, do you know? No, I don't. Rodney, Mississippi? Yeah. it it It's a ghost town. I, di- I didn't even know where Tiffany came from last week. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is, this is pretty interesting. It's, uh, Rodney, Mississippi is a ghost town today. Is this the one by Natchez? It's not far from Natchez. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. I've heard of that. Port Gibson and then Alcorn State University. You actually go into the university and it's, you take uh, an old roadbed down to get into Rodney. And there's a couple of churches down there. There's a Presbyterian church and then there is a, a Baptist church. They're all abandoned now. It's, it's pretty interesting. They still have a, the Union gunship fired from the Mississippi River, the Union gunship, it was called the Rattler. Um, the cannonball are still lodged in the masonry of this church. 
that were fired during the Civil War. And oh, wow. it was it was interesting that in its heyday, uh Rodney, Mississippi uh missed being the capital of Mississippi. I think it's by seven votes. I want to say it's by seven votes. Today it's a ghost town. And the reason it became a ghost town is because of when the Mississippi River flowed backwards type thing. Uh, it was when the the river got redirected away from Rodney because of a natural disaster. And because of that, that thriving river town essentially, you know, wasted away to nothing. And now the population of Rodney, I think a few years ago, was like 12. <laughs> There's pretty much nobody lives there, but the buildings, many of them are still there. And it's literally a ghost town. You, you the, go down The difference there. between a capital and a ghost town, the river. That's it. Uh, even though like Jackson's not on the Mississippi, uh, you could argue that the Pearl runs by it. But And um, you know what? Our capital right now is in peril because of what? Water. Lack of ah. water. Oh, that's so true. Yeah, the, with the water crisis in Jackson. Um, but like it's the, Touché, whole, the whole water thing. Yeah, way to go. It, it's the whole water thing. And it's almost like Abimelech is like, hey, listen- I'm not a prophet and my father's not a prophet either, but I know where this goes, where everywhere you go, you get water. You're going to prosper. So let's just go ahead and just establish that I'm going to be on your team from now on. Well, and this goes back to Matt. I think yet yeah, uh, in recent memory, we've been talking about this um, kind of the, kind of like the whole tabernacle imagery that, just as the tabernacle represents God traveling with his people and and mm-hmm. you kind of have the Eden component of that, right? How is mm-hmm. how is Eden initially presented? It's this well-watered garden. Mm-hmm. And so even as they are traversing through an oasis without establishing camp wherever they go, bam, you can find water. Um it's 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 there's kind of that component of like the the portable Eden as God's people are taking root in the land that he promised them. And if, as if to pile it on, look at verse 30. So he made them a feast and they ate and drank in the morning. They rose early and exchanged oaths and Isaac sent them on their way and they departed from him in peace. That same day, Isaac's servants came to him about the well that they had dug and said to him, Hey, we found some more water. And so, and then he called it Shibna, uh, or Shibna. Um, the reference here, meaning yeah, and this is naming this is it going, after the oath which was taken. Yeah, and again, it's been named Beersheba before, but that well got right. filled in. It's sti- it, again, Isaac's not the big action figure, and yet Beersheba sticks in Isaac's day, not in Abraham's. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's yeah. significant, man. Yeah, so it does not. It does not take a whole lot of effort to see God's provision in an arid climate. At least Abimelech is like, Hey, listen, I, I can clearly see what's going on here. What, uh, have you ever seen the show alone Mm-mm. on history channel? G man. Nope. Uh, Not so either. alone is kind of like a more intense survivor and survivor they drop people in these, you know, tropical places 
and they're and they're picturesque. Now they're at the elements, you know, they're playing a social game, they're eliminating people, there's challenges and all that. And sometimes they're at the mercy of some rough weather, but it doesn't scratch the surface of what these people live with uh in alone. They're like they're in tundras and they're like in alone, they are literally trying to survive. You win by staying out there as one by one people drop like flies or hit these critical thresholds in their personal health where they have to be removed. There is no social element. It's just, can you survive? Right. And you, and you watch right. these people in these horrible climates, uh, trying to hunt, trying to trap. And these are all like survival enthusiasts. These are people who, use all their hobby time. Some of these are like professionally service survivalist guides and they're struggling to live for three months out here. And you this, wonder you know what this reminds me. Go and ahead. you're like, how in the world could civilization have, have risen up? Right. right. Uh, like in a harsh climate, how can uh, civilization rise up? Well, it helps if every time you dig a well, you find water. Mm. <laughs> and and it, it this, doesn't, this... and it, it doesn't take a religious scholar to say, man, some, something's going on with these people. They hit water every time. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. Yeah, it reminds me of the Hunger Games where Hamish is talking to, uh, oh, gosh, what's the, the main character? Katniss, Katniss Everdeen. Yeah, Katniss Everdeen. Girl on Fire. Um, Girl on Fire, where he's Hamish is talking to her about, like, what it takes to survive in the Hunger Games. And the emphasis everybody's thinking about is... You know, combat to be yeah they're all thinking warrior, combat combat all this he's like nah it's pretty much food and water that's the biggest thing <laughs> Mo half of you will starve to death yeah half of you will dehydrate that's right and in the and the second um, uh the second book the second games the first thing that they have to find is they're in a tropical climate and they have to find drinkable water that's right um yeah, yeah. how about that well good stuff so uh next time we're going to be moving forward in the story a little bit to talk about Esau, which we all know that the story doesn't center in around him, but nonetheless, he's there. Um, but it's it's still been, it's I'm still reminded as we've looked at this, that just when you think the Bible doesn't say a whole lot about Isaac, it says more than you think it does. Mm. Yeah, it, more, not less. Certainly, certainly in the eyes of Abimelech and uh, uh, Pickle, it did. <laughs> good stuff. Well, listener, you know what else is good stuff? The Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. And an even better thing would be if you liked and subscribed to this show so that, one, you're getting a uh, notification every Tuesday morning when we release a new episode. And two, that you help us reach more people by boosting our search place in the algorithm which is determined by how many people are listening liking and subscribing so please do that on whatever that looks like on your platform of choice always get into notifications stay on top of things and we'll be back next week with another 30 minutes talking about the biblical narrative until then see you next hour scratch that I said max thing <laughs> until then you have a good week see you next time shalom and stopped